This is the Employee to Entrepreneur podcast, the podcast for the family man who is looking to escape the rat race. So if you're a husband or a father who's looking to leave your nine to five and enjoy the benefits that come with entrepreneurship so that you can spend more time with your family or perhaps leave a legacy, you're in the right place. I created this podcast for you because I am you. I'm your host, Brendan Ryan, and I am in the process of that transition myself. Today, I am joined by my special guest, Vinny Dominguez, and together we explore the transition he had from going from working for his family in his family business to going in alone and the emotional journey that that entailed. Vinny, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks, Brendan. Happy to be here. So Vinny, you worked in your family's business before you branched off and did your own thing. What was it like being in the family business or being in business with your family? And did you do you think that that made the foundation for you and enable you to branch off and become your own business owner? Yeah, I, w- I would love to give a little bit of context as to why it became a family business and why we decided to build it together as a, as a family, if you, if you don't mind. Sure, go for it. So we immigrated here from Brazil, uh, me and my family. My dad always had the dream of coming to the U.S. and building something. And so when he got here, he we worked as a family when I was very young. We worked on the paper route together. So it was me, my brother, and my dad, and we would wake up about three or four o'clock in the morning and we'd wrap up the newspapers and we'd go throw them around, right? And <clears throat> so I've always been working with my family at some capacity. And it just happened to be that when my dad decided to buy a, a part of a franchise uh, way back in about 2004, that he was like, hey, this is our business now. Like, this is the thing that I've always wanted to start. And my dad goes, you guys want to work alongside us? And so during that time, we started to go out there and help out the family and help out the family business and help build it, kind of be a part of the whole process from beginning all the way up into where I decided, hey, I'm going to go off and do my own thing. So I definitely would say that it molded me because at a very early age, I always knew That because my dad somewhat did his own thing, even though he was working for a franchise, he always wanted to build his own business, always came home and he would have ideas and be like, hey, Vinny, I had this cool idea, like we could do something from it. He was always thinking in that manner that it definitely made me want to open up my own little business. And he even encouraged me when I was younger to open up my own little bike shop in our neighborhood. And while that didn't go so well, um, I charged my first, I got my first client and I couldn't fix their bike. So my dad goes, you got to give their money back. And then after that, I kind of closed down and went, it did my family business. But yeah, it helped mold me in a lot of ways. It threw me to the wolves, right? Because we were going through this experience of learning and building and growing together. And at that same time, my parents, and again, we were younger kids, but my parents were also going through the process of being more accustomed to the American culture and the people and everything. Right. So uh, definitely helped shape me and threw me to the wolves and is great. Yeah. So you mentioned your dad was always having ideas, um, inspirations, if you will. And that strikes me as very entrepreneurial. So it sounds like you come from an entrepreneurial family. Um, what was it like working? Do you have siblings? Do you, did you have any brothers or sisters working alongside you in the business or was it just you and the parents or what was, what was the dynamic there? 
Yeah, I have one older brother. He's two and a half years older than me. And he was always the, the leader at the helm, right? Him and my dad would always talk about business and stuff. So he, I did work alongside them. I have a younger sister. She was too young at the time and didn't really get to work alongside us at the same capacity that me and my brother worked together. She's still absolutely awesome and she kicks ass. She does her own thing. So, but yeah, it was me, my brother, my dad, and my mom. Gotcha. And so it was a franchise, but what was the actual business? Yeah. So we bought a part of a franchise and then we, we were able to name it our own thing. So it was a, it's a janitorial business. So building maintenance, cleaning, working with dealerships, property managers, so on and so forth. So like contracting for different other businesses, essentially, or companies or office buildings and that kind of thing. Correct. Yeah. I'm doing all the janitorial gotcha. work, picking up the trash and all that fun stuff. <laughs> and so you mentioned it, it threw you to the wolves, so to speak, a couple of times. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? What do you mean by that? Yeah. And I think it just comes with that saying that not that nobody knows what they're doing, but that kind of everybody's going through it and learning along the way. Right. And I was learning along the way because there were some systems and process that were really done majority of the time by either my mom or my dad. And so when I would come in and be like, Hey, we need to do this. And I would do it, which would be great. Let me give a very specific example. <clears throat> when I was first starting to work alongside my parents and I was older, got out of, got out of high school and I was like, Hey, I'm going to go work alongside you guys. Cause I did not like college at all. Uh, we can go to that a little bit later, but <clears throat> I, my dad goes, okay, cool. I need you to start talking to clients. I had zero experience talking to clients, zero. He goes, don't worry. You're a personable person. Here's what I need you to talk about. And so that was kind of being thrown to the wolves because he knew in his head exactly what to do, what to say, all the contracts and as well as did my mom. So I had to go in there and I had to learn by kind of getting beaten up and you know, kind of in a metaphorical sense, right? Uh, by clients who maybe at times were unhappy about things that weren't even in their scope of work. How do I handle that? Because I don't have anybody to support me. I can't just get on the phone, right? Be like, hey, because they're off doing their own thing, and it would, right? So I had to learn how to be quick on my feet, how to be able to answer back and gather all the context that I needed before meeting with clients. Gotcha. So when you say meet with clients, is that essentially kind of a sales role or were they already sold? So these clients were already sold, but I also did do sales roles where I would, I guess, indirectly also upsell them on additional things. So let's say something was out of their scope of work. A good example would be a doctor's office. What we would normally do is vacuum their floors, pick up their garbage, clean their bathrooms. Let's say that they come to us, they're like, I also want carpet cleaning. Okay, great. Then I would handle that upsell for lack of a better word. But yeah, I would handle that upsell and I would talk with them like, hey, I get it. It's springtime, right? You want to clean off all the salt that is within your carpets, make your doctor's office nice. We have something for that. Here's what, here's the proposal. I got you. Okay. And so you mentioned that you own a part of the franchise and then kind of made it your own thing or your family did. Mm -hmm. What exactly did you mean by that? So the company actually was going under and you were able to buy parts of it. So specific contracts. So we bought contracts from them, I guess. As oh. We bought contracts from them. And those are contracts that originally, and my dad had worked with, these were clients that were held him in high regard. So he, he took upon that 
And then by the time they went under, those were just his contracts. So you're essentially buying the relationship with the clients, like a doctor's office or whatever it is. So it's kind of like buying a pool route from a pool company or something, right? In a sense, yeah. <laughs> okay, I got you. Interesting. So what were the things that your your dad said? You mentioned that you would uh, have ideas sometimes and say that this is something that I always wanted to do. What what were those ideas? Oh, all right. I'll go with one that stands out in my memory. And I remember him, him coming home one day and he had probably 30 bags of beef jerky, different types of beef jerky and all this stuff. And it's like, dad, what are all these for? And he goes, brilliant idea. I swear, beef jerky is going to make a huge impact. And so he's buying them all and we would, we would eat them, but he, he would store them. And so in, on, in our kitchen, we had this big, Oh, I'm forgetting a dresser, right? It was a dresser. It shouldn't have been there, but it was a dresser. And you just store bags of beef jerky and stuff that he wanted to recreate inside, <laughs> inside of there. So that's one memory. The second memory that I have is something that he's always told me. And this is not something I personally experienced because it's before I was born. But when he was in Brazil, he told my mom, he goes, I have this huge idea and he was going to work. I, I might, this might be wrong, but with Purina in some capacity, something to do with Brazil and the way they manufacture things that Purina wanted to put inside their food to make it more natural, more organic. And he went for about two to three months sourcing everything, getting everything and trying to make it all happen. And he spent like every dime that they had and he was gone for a long time and it just didn't end up working. So he's always been that person in my life. And my mom goes, Let's go. I got your back. And she's always been there to support him. So those are the two memories I have. That's awesome. And it sounds like she was really supportive. So when was it that you decided to do your own thing and have your own business? And what do you think motivated you to do that? Yeah, I've always wanted to do my own thing. And my main motivation came from my hatred for college. <laughs> and I would definitely say, yeah, I, I really didn't like college because when I graduated high school, I knew exactly where it is that I wanted to do. I know that I wanted to build my own business. I was just clear as day. I've always wanted to do that. That's it. I knew that that was the route to be able to do the things that I wanted to do. Right. And, and I knew it was a struggle because I watched my dad do it. My dad, he's still working 12 hour days. And he loves it, but it's his thing, right? It's his thing, right? He's fine for his thing. And so for me, I'm always like, yeah, that's exactly the route I want to go. So when I went to college, <clears throat> the first thing that I, I told my advisor was, I want to do business. Like, oh, what's your major? You know, it's okay if you don't have it decided. I said, I want to do business, period. That's it. I came here for an MBA. That's it. She goes, okay, cool. Take human sciences, take gym, take geology. And I said, why am I taking these classes? Well, that's a part of your prereq. And I go, but I don't want to do that. I told you I want to do business. I don't want I don't care about the gym. I go to the gym anyways. I don't care about geology. If I need a geologist, I'll hire him. I go, this is not what I want to do. And I spent almost two years doing that. And finally, I said to myself, this is shit. I'm going to go work with the family business and do my own thing. So I've always wanted to do that. And then I said, okay, well, because I guess they won't give me the education. I just started learning everything on my own and started developing my own skills and going, I know how I learn, so I'm going to learn this way. And using that, like my own mind and my own methodology, I said, okay, cool. 
one thing that really skyrocketed my growth and made me go, I want to do my own thing was hiring mentors who already had done what I wanted to do. And by that time I told my dad, I was like, I'm hiring mentors. He goes, why would you pay $2,000 for someone? I go, cause they already did what I want to do. It's like, it's a trimester at college. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like $2,000, like in the, in the U S would, wouldn't even get you through like a month of college, you know, yeah. it's insane. but $2,000 is too much to invest in a mentor, I guess it's, that's nuts. But yeah, mentors are, are huge. I think they're the like ultimate shortcut for getting you to where you want to go. It's a, such a hack. I, everybody that comes on here had great mentors. So did you make it all the way through college or? No, when they, when they told me that my ACTs were expired, I was like, all right, fine. I'm over this. And I just went off. I was like, I'm yeah, I didn't know that you had like a two and a half year period before your ACTs expire and they were like, yours is expired and you have to either retake it or retake these exams. And I said, I'm not doing that. Was that before you were admitted to college or during? During. So uh, my oh. advisor had given me information. And again, it's just my naiveness when it came to college. And like my advisor didn't recommend, Hey, go to English classes. Now go to math classes. Now go do this. Now they recommended a bunch of other stuff. And then by the end of it, I was like, cool, I only have English and math left. I'm, I'm pretty much done. I'm ready to go. And they're like, Oh, your ACT is expired. And I'm like, you didn't want to tell me that at the start when I came here. Like it was just that's interesting. I didn't know. That, so that, I wonder if that's just a, was that in Brazil or was that in the No, US? that was here in the U.S. Really? I've never heard of that. I didn't either. I told the buddy of mine, he goes, are you sure? And I said, that's what the lady told me. She said I had to retake everything. And so I said, I guess. Wow. And hey, you know what? Sometimes people recall their memories wrong, but I, I, I distinctly remember the feeling of going, I'm really pissed off right now. I took all these bullshit classes. And I'm right in the cusp of graduating to get my associates just to go into the University of Utah's business program. So did you take like any actual business classes or was it all just whack um, general prerequisites? I took probably two or three business classes. One of them was like marketing. And that one was, was, was great. I thought that one was really fun. And those are the type of classes I wanted to. Actually, a couple years after I dropped out of college, uh, a buddy of mine was doing his minors in entrepreneurship and he was at a he was in a, he was doing his minors and he was in a couple of classes and he got invited to one of these like MBA top classes to go look at business and stuff and talk about business and stuff and he invited me he goes hey I have you can come with me because I got invited to this and pretty sure they'll do it and he's a great guy he's always willing like call me and he's like hey I bet I could get you in I was like yeah for sure and the guy Rob who was the teacher there he goes yeah for sure came in there and it was a great class. I was like, this is what I expected business classes to be like. This is what I wanted because this is actual information that I wanted. Yeah. I, I asked you that because I was curious as to if you found them helpful or not, because I've had people on here that do have MBAs that went all the way through and they were like, I could have learned all of that just actually doing it, you know, actually trying to be a business owner or an entrepreneur. So a lot of people, in my experience, find that it's not super helpful. So it sounds like you didn't really miss too much. <laughs> but yeah, fortunately, I guess that you had a, a good experience at least a few times with the few business classes you did take. Yeah. And I, my knowledge, uh, my expertise and knowledge level has increased so much to the point where my little sister is currently doing her MBA. And like 
I was, we were talking about the class that she's taking and I said, okay, like if we take this and we do this, if we do this, and we do this. She goes, I didn't think about it like that. Like, because you get that from experience. And I always told my dad the same thing. I said, dad, if you give me the chance to experience it, I know that I am the type of person that needs that experience in order for it to cement into my mind, because I need to repeat that experience over and over again. Mm-hmm. And being thrown to the wolves allowed me to do that. Because when yeah. you're looking at a client and they, you're, they're paying you every month and they're upset with you, you have no one to back you up and you're like there and you're like, okay, I got this. So what do I say to them? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, so when I went to college, for instance, I, I thought I knew that I, what I wanted to do, but I really didn't. And you mentioned earlier that you, you always knew that you wanted to have your own business and be an entrepreneur, which I think is probably kind of rare. I think a lot of 17, 18 year old kids have no idea what they want to do. But I would think that that entrepreneurial role model of your family having their own business probably gave you that thought because I think a lot of kids that come up right now through the traditional educational system don't even really entertain the idea of having their own business and contributing to the world in like a unique way rather than just being a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or whatever, like those very typical career paths, which often change during college. Like they go in thinking they want to be a doctor or whatever, and then they change majors like three or four times. That seems to me like it was, it's the much more common experience in, in college versus what you described is like, you knew right from the get go, like, this is not it. This is not what I want to do. I wish there was more kids like you, like (laughs) with your mindset. Um, Because I think being an entrepreneur is is very much about mindset. And I've talked about that in previous episodes. So you probably had a lot of those elements, a lot of those foundational mindset elements, just because you, you already, had that experience working in a business with your family. And so you knew like that I don't want to go be an engineer or whatever it is. Yeah. So it's very interesting that you had that experience. And I think it is in large part because you had that role model. Whereas for instance, like I didn't, I, I did not have anybody in my family that wasn't a business owner or an entrepreneur. My dad was very good with money. He had a bunch of um, rental properties throughout Southern California but he wasn't like a business owner. He wasn't savvy like that. And so I didn't, never had that role modeled for me. And therefore, I never entertained the idea of doing that. It didn't really even occur to me until after I had gone all the way through and became a pharmacist and started reading about the things that I was genuinely interested in yeah. that I was like, I can go, you know, spin up an LLC right now and buy a domain <laughs> and do all this stuff. And, and so it's very interesting. I, I think that you know, because you had that exposure, that seemed like a very viable option for you. And right at 18 years old or whatever it was, you already knew that that was what you wanted to do. So when you did decide to, I guess you decided to drop out of college. Yeah, I did. Okay. So when you decided to drop out and then did you go straight to a job or did you actually start the business right away? So When I dropped out of college, I had a buddy of mine. He go, well, when I was in college, I was working at a car wash and I really hated it. I really hated it. I, I couldn't, I could not stand the corporate feel to everything that was happening there. 
And so I dropped out of college. I went to work with the family business and help them grow, right? Uh, put in some implements of processes, do that type of stuff. Spent a couple of years there. And then one day just walking down and this is the, the, the longer context, right? To how I got to my business, what I'm at currently at is one day I was walking down my stairs in my home and I go, Hey, I could, I love working out. And I've always, as a young, as a younger kid, I would always research. Like I was in eighth and ninth grade and I'll just research different supplements. I thought it was just super fascinating for me. And then when I was in 10th grade, I was like, Oh, this is a cool creatine. Like, Hey, this is creatine monohydrate. This is creatine crealkaline. This is what it does. And I always thought that's super fascinating. And so I said, I could build a really good supplement. Cause I also like to game. That's better than any supplement out there. So I kind of started calling around and I had, I had, I don't know how I got this, but I had someone that I kind of knew. I searched up like, how do I get a loan? And I got an SBA loan. And that was where I started my first business. So it's called Triumph. It was a no tropic supplement for gamers specifically. Cool. Very yeah. cool. And so, so you, can you tell me a little bit more about that? What, it's a, 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 how do you pronounce it? And is it no tropic or new tropic? Yeah, people pronounce it differently. Nootropic, nootropic. Okay. Everybody pronounces it a little bit differently, but I'm pretty sure there's someone that will say, oh, this is exactly how you pronounce it. Like, yeah, we, it's, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, right. and it was I, – I was thinking about it at the level in which I like to compete at. I I don't know if I consider myself a competitive athlete, but I've always competed in sports, right? I always did all that type of stuff. And so for me, I was always very competitive when it came to sports, and so when I – played video games it was another way for me to re- be continue to be competitive and play in tournaments and so i thought to myself okay as a person as a gamer what are the things that i deal with before a competition before a tournament you know, anxiety stress which can cause brain fog which can lower my reaction time so a couple of things i thought i said well i could build a supplement and that will reduce all that so that the gamer can perform at their highest and you take that before it's like almost like a pre-game pre-workout almost in a sense right without the the jitters because when you're holding a mouse right if you can see my mouse when you're holding a mouse and you're jittering you're gonna miss all your shots you don't want that you're laser focused yeah that's such a cool business idea i really like that a lot so how old were you when you did that oh shoot i think i was 25 yeah i think i was 25 okay so it sounds like you went from college, worked in the car wash for a couple of years. And then when you, when you got the loan and you did that business idea, were you full time in it? No. So I went, I was doing the car wash during college. And then I was after college, I worked with a family business to help them out and to, to continue being a part of that. Right. Something that a dad always wants. I hey, can be a part of us. Right. So we worked together for a bit. And then while I was still working with the family business, I built this because I needed to be able to pay off the loan. And I mean, I had never done this. I going to be honest until <laughs> when I started it, I didn't research anywhere online. I had no clue about Facebook ads. I didn't know what e-commerce was. I didn't know Shopify. I just had an idea and a product and some money people were giving me. <laughs> okay. So, so what year was this then? Oh, I, so I got my, the loan. I started that around 2017. I officially was able to launch after all the work that I had done February of 2019. Was it pretty scary using the loan to launch the business? Kind of, but not really. And the reason is because like I'm, my family is like this, so we'll figure it out, right? Like 
yeah, sure. I mean, we're, we're going to put in money. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, I'm going to fail? Yeah, probably. I'm going to be able to make the money. I'll be able to do what I need to do. And my mom always says, like, if you don't do it, Vinny, then you'll never do it. And you'll sit here wondering, like, did I do it or not? She goes, you'll find a way to make the money. Goes, That's how it works. You'll find a way. See, that, see, this is what I'm talking about when I alluded to earlier about how you already had elements of the entrepreneurial mindset. That's 100% one of them that can do attitude. The yeah. idea that you are a problem solver, that you, you'll figure it out. Whereas a lot of people, I think, because they, they don't know exactly how they would get it done, they would get afraid and they wouldn't take that plunge at all. Right. But because you had that modeled for you growing up, you already had that in in your brain like you that already made sense to you so that's that's really yeah. cool i like that a lot thank you thank what you. was the biggest challenge for you when you were building this business <laughs> that my parents and like my, my, my i see my parents right and it's like the family business that we built is so brick and mortar hands on in your local area feel to it. Everything is right. So for an example would be with a family business, in order to get new sales, we would go to conventions. We would talk to business owners. We would knock on doors. We'd wait for managers to show up at the dealerships. We'd be like, Hey, we could do this work. Right. And of course, not like that. Right. A much better sales push than that, but you get the gist. And <laughs> that <always> right. <laughs> <a little funny. laughs> And because of that, we never ventured into the online world. So the online world was very new to me, even though it was in 2019 when I had launched. It was newer to me. How to build a website? I don't know. I went to Salt Lake Community College and the SB, I got an SBA loan. Then they gave me like they gave me an SBA mentor kind of. His name is Peter. And he goes, hey, Vinny, I just want to make sure that you're doing it the right places. Shopify is where I recommend it. He had built a supplement business before. So he was guiding me through it. And that was the biggest hurdle because I didn't know what I didn't know, but it was all just like I had a $30,000 loan in my hand. I had products being – well, not in my hand. I'd given that, right? That products being made, two flavors, and now it was just go time. So probably the biggest thing was just I didn't know what I didn't know. And how is it going to sell it online? And I go, so I can sell it. I go, I'm going to advertise it online. He goes, how are you going to do that? And I go, we're going to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so there it is again that mindset yeah so you mentioned that you had a mentor with sba was it the sba that gave you that mentor or was that like one that you hired yourself i didn't hire myself there was this i don't, don't remember the exact processes and how i he became my mentor during that time but i was looking for the sba alone i searched it online and noticed that Salt Lake community college did something like that and so i went in to go talk to some people and try to figure out, hey, who do I talk to that knows how to get an SBA loan and who does this before, right? And who can kind of guide me? I met this guy named Peter and he he was like, hey, I do this and I can help you out. And so I just worked with him and got everything resolved with him. And it was, yeah, that was just it kind of just going through that. It almost sounds like it was one of those weird coincidences that there just so happens to be this guy at Salt Lake Community College that had launched a supplement company before and et cetera. So I would, the way you phrased it, I was like, does SBA give you a mentor? Because no. that'd be a really cool program. <laughs> that would, yeah, that would be great. No, I kind of uh, seeked it out myself because again, um, I know that I bring my, back like my family, but my family, we, we didn't do anything on the online world during that time. It was all 
local in your area. Actually, we didn't even have a website until 2020. The family business didn't even have a website, a functioning website. (laughs) (laughs) Did they have a non-functioning website before? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I'd I'd say a non-functioning website would be good, but maybe something. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, maybe a a phone number on Google. (laughs) Right. So. So the the biggest struggle you said was just not knowing what you didn't know. Yep. Um, it, what about did you have to work through any any um, any other mindset shifts? For instance, like you, we I kind of hit on that a couple times about you had a can do attitude, for instance. But was there anything else that you noticed that you had to work through in order to make the business successful? A lot of times, entrepreneurial people will find that their business reflects them a lot of times. And that's why I think a lot of entrepreneurs will invest heavily in, in mindset and self-improvement and they'll spend, you know, an hour or more on their morning routines and and things like that. Um, Was was that the same experience for you? Was it about self-improvement in any way or not so much? That's a really good question. Self-improvement it didn't come into being until a little bit after doing it because <clears throat> when I opened up my own thing and started to make money out of it and started to, to work within that realm and the days and the times that it would dip emotionally, I was so attached to those ups and downs a dopamine hit. And then someone went there and just sucking all the dopamine out of me and just draining me dry. Right. And what would happen is that soon trauma and I hope that it's not taboo, but like trauma would be surfacing like, oh, shoot, like I have this super emotional reaction to these specific events. And I'd have to start. I started to peel back the onion and started to identify why do I feel this specific way about this? Right. And so that's when my journey started, because, again, the online realm about mindset, all that stuff was never prevalent to me. The, the mentor that I had didn't talk about that. My parents, it was always like, you got to just keep going. It doesn't matter. You got to get up the next day and you go, go, go. And it was never unpacking the layers and going through it. And so <clears throat> the first thing that I identified was, OK, I'm super emotionally attached to these outcomes. OK. How do I get myself less attached to the outcomes and focus more on outputs? And that was a huge shift because like, well, why would I put output that much effort if I'm only going to see this result? Why can't I be attached to that outcome? And then I had to unpack that. And so mindset became a really big thing for me because I just started to notice the emotional toll that the actual business and the growth of the business took on me. And then everything else resurfaced, things that happened in my past, things that happened with other people, such as my wrestling coach was surprised that I even got into college. And I was like, can I even make it here? I, I, I remember my buddy called him on the phone because he was still wrestling. He's like, hey, Vinny got into college. And he goes, Vinny, the same one that wrestled in high school? And he goes, yeah. I was, oh, I never thought he would get there. He goes, hey, coach, he's right here. I was like, hey. He goes, well, it's like, so like, did my, am I good enough to do this? Wow. Right. Am I, am I this? And, and I wasn't a good student. Right. And so all those things surface. I didn't like high school, didn't like college. didn't like the way I was taught. So it was also having to learn about myself and how I learned through everything, right? How I took those failures and those mistakes that I made 
and what that looked like and how I can grow and evolve from that and what that friction was. Like, for example, sending out emails for me. Sure. Maybe I didn't know how to send out all the emails. And I thought I was one man band working on it. Maybe I didn't know how to send out emails. But what was the friction that I had internally that wouldn't allow for me to continue staying consistent with sending emails, even though I saw success in the past? And yeah. it would resurface where it's like, well, maybe you're just not good enough. Maybe you just need to learn more. Maybe you just need to do this, right? So that was like unpacking the whole thing, <laughs> kind of unraveling. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that emotional struggle is something that you don't hear a lot of entrepreneurs talk too much about. And in fact, the way that you described like the emotional attachment and the dopamine hits and, and the struggles when the business maybe wasn't doing so well, it almost reminds me of like somebody trying to trade in the stock market for the first time. And they're like very emotionally attached to what's going on. And that makes them yeah. subsequently worse at being a trader. So how, how did you work through it? What did you find to be helpful? Did you seek out like different therapies or what, what? do you think made you successful ultimately different therapies i'm i'm also a person that i internally i have an internal dialogue where i somewhat argue with myself right and so it's funny because i have a business partner and i think you met him thomas and and he'll he'll hear me and i go back and forth myself i go well here's this i go but here's the counter argument to that and here's why this counter argument would make actually make more sense than this i go but this one right here would counter that so like, here's what we're actually looking at so if we piece it all together there's that possibility of this kind of argument but really the best path is here <laughs> so it's a very interesting eternal dialogue so i was able to take a lot of time to self-analyze because again uh, back then it was a little bit of a different perspective not with my family no one shunned it but uh, therapy wasn't really something that we went to just yeah. like you, you keep going. That was always my mom. She, she would look and she goes, Vinny, it sucks. You keep going. And that was it. And so I'd keep going and then I'd self-analyze. And recently, last year, I finally got a therapist, someone who talked to me about the business stuff because I had gone through a lot of, <clears throat> I guess you could say emotional turmoil between switching from actually shutting down Triumph to at the same time building a whole other business that I left, that I helped build, to then building my own thing again to where I'm at right now. And that was a whole shift because I had to close something that I was really, I really loved and I was really passionate about, which is a big reason why I say uh, passion won't get you anywhere. I'm sorry, but like people like to say it gets them somewhere. But if you're running a marathon, passion will only get you one mile in. You got 25 miles left. And passion will not get you across the finish line. And person, mm -hmm. that's personal experience. And so it was just going through that. And finally, I got a therapist last year. And we sat down and we talked about it. We went through all of the events that had happened leading up to that specific. To me, continue to build and become successful and grow. And actually, from there, I had my biggest breakthrough where we were able to analyze and, I guess, psychoanalyze me and myself. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Is it a specific type of therapy or is it just kind of, um, do you know what it's called? No, she was just a, <laughs> it's going to sound kind of silly, but uh, she's a therapist on, on Twitter. She had posted about all this stuff and I said, hey, I would love someone to talk to about what I'm going through, right? So that Is was she like specific for entrepreneurs or business owners? 
Yeah, oh, cool. that's what she worked with. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Are you able to drop her name? Yeah, yeah. Her name is Aruba. Aruba on Twitter. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or it's like Rubes on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. She was. She was. <laughs> Very cool. She was great because it it shows up in all these different ways, aspects of your life. So, for example, let's say you have partners, and <clears throat> you have partners, but let's say that you have some type of history with family. Or maybe your relationship and that's great. Well, that could show up in your partnership. Maybe you don't sh- you trust your partners, even though they're great partners. And it's because something that happened in the past where someone that you trusted, someone that you believed in, happened to break that trust and break that bridge. So now you're in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, you know, I could not have trust that person. Can I trust them? Can I trust them to do this? Can I trust them to do this? Right. And that it shows up in that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, honestly. Especially for somebody like you, where your family had their own business, it makes total sense that any issues with family dynamics would also manifest themselves in your future businesses. Right. Right. And to that point, I think a lot of people in the past, you know, having a family business was a lot more common. Um, So family dynamics and there's even a therapy that it's called family therapy. I know this because (laughs) my wife is a psychiatric nurse practitioner. But it's very good at addressing like those family dynamics. But that's that's you know that's really cool. That's a, um, something again that I don't think a lot of people talk about. But um, Aruba it sounds like she's got a very good uh, niche market there yeah. that uh, nobody else is addressing really. So you mentioned earlier that passion's not enough to get you through, right? That it'll only get you. It's it's good to get you started usually. Um, I think. But if passion's not enough, what would you say is? A very cliche saying, discipline. <laughs> yeah, a very cliche thing. And I guess I, I formed my own opinion on this. Then, like, I, I want to state that it's my opinion. And the big reason why I believe that passion is not enough is because passion is ever fleeting. I'm cool. I'm, I'm passionate about this nice young lady and that might last us through the six months of our honeymoon phase. But what happens when you start unraveling the relationship and you guys move in together and there's a whole new set of problems? Do you go through the honeymoon phase over and over and over again? No, you're not. You're going to have to address anything that's really uncomfortable. And when you're in that honeymoon phase and that passion phase, it is less – you are less likely – from my experience, to address the uncomfortable conversations that you're supposed to have. And so after the honeymoon phase or that passion phase is what I call it, you're like you're left with a bunch of hard discussions and uncomfortable discussions you didn't have. You think that passion, you can't go there and spark a passion again and be like, oh, yeah, we can go through that one more time. Let's just hide all the skeletons in the closet. It won't work. Yeah. You have to address that. Yeah, and from that perspective, it can be kind of a bad thing for that reason, right? Because exactly. you're just kind of ignoring what might be an important issue to address. We're, we're getting relationship advice now on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're going into that. It, it's just a good analogy. It's a good example for people to you know put two and two together. Yeah, yeah. And no, I think that you, you might be able to see how that could be applied to a business venture with a partner yep. in the beginning. If somebody that maybe you link up with that you really admired or whatever, and you really wanted to work with them, and you have this business idea that you're really excited about, but that optimism can be too much sometimes. And 
might lead you to make bad decisions because you're not addressing the elephant in the room, so yep. to speak. Yeah, I hear you hundred yeah. percent. So yeah, so what? So you you said you shut down Triumph. Mm -hmm. What are you doing now? Yeah, so now I'm running Bring Home the Bacon Media, <laughs> and uh, that is we're doing digital marketing. So. We run Facebook ads, we build landing pages, we do email marketing. We are currently helping a business build their entire brand online. They're called Ordained Coffee. They're great. And the a guy came to me. He was actually someone that was referred to me, incredible person. And they go, hey, I have this idea. Can you bring it to life? And I said, of course. I've done this before. I'll do it for you. And he goes, great. Handle it all. And so we've been handling that as well. And it's it's been a great time. I love that name. Bring home the bacon. Yeah. Thank digital you. marketing. That's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody got really fancy things. I said, what's something that people do? Like, how do you bring in money? And so I started searching that up online. Like bring home the bacon. I go, there it is. There it is. Yeah. yeah. That's a great one. I love it. So do you have a specific niche within digital marketing? Oh, this is my favorite question. I love this question. And it's because <laughs> people sometimes don't like my answer. Like when I talk to people like, Oh, what's your offer? It's like, well, I mean, we're awesome. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but it's because our ex expertise, it comes down to a very fundamental core, right? And that is the person, the who. So once you understand the who, who's buying your product, how they receive your message, then the niche, in my opinion, is not that relevant, right? Because if I understand who would buy your coaching services, then I can advertise to that person and speak to them in the language that they understand that breaks through their subconscious filter. I can replicate that same exact process by asking similar questions for an e-commerce business that sells Tupperware and do the same thing. The who, what are their problems? What are their pain points? Why would they buy it and how do we speak to them? How do we advertise them? And then we mold our messaging, our advertising specifically to them. So we can be and have succeeded in multiple different niches, coaches, info, uh, info products, courses, Tupperware, women's fashion, inclusive fashion, men's fashion. Just a matter of who, the person, the buy yeah. behavior. That makes total sense. Yeah. I think a lot of times people will suggest that you pick a niche because it makes it a little bit easier to scale. Like yep. once there's a lot of a big learning curve whenever you enter something, a new market that you've never done before. Like if you've never done Tupperware or whatever, yeah. there's a surprising learning curve there. Whereas, you know, if you, you've done it before, you can do it again. You already understand the consumer psychology and all that. But I think it takes, and I can tell that you must be a very good marketer. Thank you. Because I think it takes an excellent marketer to be able to do that and specifically to master the market research portion of the digital marketing campaign, right? Because that that's a, that's the most important portion of, of the uh, campaign is, is knowing exactly who you're talking to. But I think because it's so difficult and, it's, and can take a lot of time, a lot of people will rush through it and not execute very well. And so... To that point, I think, so for instance, like you'll hear a lot of people that suggest you go into Facebook groups and learn about that particular industry, or you go read Reddits and go through forums and that kind of thing. Um, 
can you do you do the market research in your in your agency or do you have somebody else doing it and if you do do you have any tips tricks hacks to um do it better yeah so i do it uh, unless my, my partner is also working alongside on it with me specific which he does Thomas has a different mind. Uh, he looks at the market research and he's able to synthesize certain parts of the data that he needs and move a lot quicker than I can. For me, I like to be very hands-on with the market research. I like to go through the whole process simply because that's where my greatest ideas and creative inspiration comes from is being able to say, oh, I see that. Oh, I see why they would say that. And I don't look at one platform specifically. I I go throughout the entire internet. Uh, no joke. I work with an inclusive fashion brand right now. I'm a male. Well, this is women's fashion. I'm a male. And I don't wear inclusive size clothing. You would think that I would suck at it. But we actually, I actually lowered their cost per acquisition by $200. And the, the reason is, is because and, – and yes, narrowing down for a niche specifically because it's scale, that makes complete sense. That's why we do Facebook ads. That's what we're good at, right? So, so if you want to tie it down to that, that's what we're great at is the cold traffic front end conversions, but understanding how they speak though. I was like, okay, where are these women at? Where are these women at? They're not, they're on Reddit, but they're not that great on Reddit. They're on Facebook groups, but eh, not so much Instagram, go to Instagram. They're literally telling you how they're going to style their clothing. They're telling you how they feel within that clothing. They are telling you i feel this way so i started to gather all the words what words are they using how are they saying that what are the images like piece all that together and then you come up with the strategy that usually takes me about like a week and a half i always tell people when i onboard a new client I go give me about a week and a half two weeks i need the time to go through this because i'm not going to deliver you some shit that you're not happy with plus everybody that works with us gets to keep all the market research and our market research is ongoing every month so that's that's a pretty big value add. I imagine some people would actually overlook that value add, but that's a huge value add because you mentioned it takes you a week or more to do it. I, and that's exactly what I was getting at earlier. I think a lot of times people are not willing to devote an entire week to just market research when you're undertaking a new client like that. But I think that's 100% what it takes in order to execute well like you guys do. Yeah. So I commend you for that. It sounds like, do you have kind of a systematic way that you go about it? Um, or is it just kind of all over the place and organic? Yeah, I do have a systematic way. And I had to build this out or else I was going to go crazy. <laughs> so I, I've been refining this process more and more, but I have a systematic way. So we do ours on ClickUp. We have all the documentation in there. We have where we're going to look for the content. We have all the questions that we want to ask. So... If you look at the system itself, we have understanding your client. First, we understand the client. What do they do? What are, their, what are their offers? How are they doing it? How are they advertising now? Do like a full audit of everything. Then we go to understanding your direct and indirect competitors. Why indirect? Because sometimes your indirect competitors can actually give you and spark creative ideas that your direct competitors aren't doing, but could also apply to your industry. A example, <clears throat> let's say that Cuts is running this very specific angle and it taps into a very specific emotional motivator. And I'm going, oh, that's a really good emotional motivator. Can I correlate that with my market research for inclusive women? And what does that image look like? It's like, yes, cool, boom. 
Like I can, mer- I can merge the two and I can put that into it and it can become its own concept and so on and so forth. And so that's one way we also ask, we also go through hundreds of customer reviews and we identify the mind state that the customers are in based on those customer reviews. From there, we can also mold and craft our own concepts. An example is we're running ads right now for an info product. And we identified that the core mind state that the consumer is in after they've consumed it or before they've consumed the product is competence. They want to feel that these people who are teaching them to build their business online, that they're competent to do it. So all of our ads, the way that we speak, the way that we talk to them, showcase competence that the people who are going to teach you are competent in what they're doing. So systematic way of building it all out. Yeah, you see, see, uh, you mentioned earlier that you only took a couple of business classes at in uh, Utah in college, yeah. but you're dropping the marketing masterclass, the marketing sauce right now. This is this is great marketing knowledge, right? Um, it sounds it sounds like you use ClickUp, right? So you have like a little bit of a team. That's a CRM that you put people in. Um, so do you utilize like other people, like VAs or anything, in the market research process? No, like I said. I like to do it because I have to understand what I'm looking at. If I do it to a VA, then I go there and I look and I'm going, it's not going to click the same. It's not going to flow the same, right? It's so you have someone run for you. You're not going to lose the weight. I guess it's a bad example, but you're not going to be the one feeling that euphoric rush of running, right? And you're not going to go through that process. Probably a terrible example, but you kind of get the gist. <laughs> yeah. No, and it makes sense. So you're using ClickUp essentially just to organize the whole process then. Right. And we have our questions built out. And these questions come from different courses and different mentorships that I've had. And then I molded them together and created a whole process out of it on what I believe was relevant. And that created high converting ads. Man, that's awesome. That's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, going through all those reviews, that's, man, it's a lot of work, but you're a true marketer. I commend you for that. That is, <laughs> It's tough for me because I'm always looking for the way that, that I can um, do it a little bit faster, right? So looking for, um, like, for instance, I'll, when I go look at reviews, I'll look for two to four star reviews because those are the people that actually take the time to give an actual critique. Whereas the five-star reviews are usually people that are happy with the product, but they don't really care. And they're just going to hit five and then maybe type a few words and move on. The one-star review is somebody that's in an emotional, angry state about their experience with said product or service. And I discount that a little bit because they're they're mostly just trying to hurt the company basically. But the two to four-star reviews, those are the people that are really thinking about it. Yeah. Um, And I think there's a lot of nuggets, gold nuggets there, a lot of value there that you can pick up through the market research process. Um, but very cool stuff, man. So where can people find you? Um, if they were, if somebody's listening to this and they have, um, a marketing need, if you will, where can people find you? You guys have a website? Yeah, we do. And I, I can send it over to you, but it's bhtb.com slash home. That's the landing page that we currently have. And then we also, you can find me on Instagram, you can find me on TikTok, you can find me on YouTube Shorts, and as well as on Twitter. I'm posting content, posting value pieces there as well, so you guys are welcome to soak any of that up. So you're omnipresent on uh, social media then too. Yeah. (laughs) So I got to find you on Instagram. That's usually my main channel. 
I love Twitter too, though. Yeah. Twitter's Twitter's probably my favorite platform. Twitter's um, great. Just because there's so much, I think there's so many people adding value on Twitter right now. Like the trend right now is that lead magnet giveaway. So everybody's making up all this, like all these great tools and all these great tutorials and all kinds of stuff. I don't think there's any social media platform out there right now that's giving so much free value as Twitter. Nope. Um, just my opinion. Uh, but I love Twitter. Yeah. Likewise. I, I, I'm right there with you. I would say that the, the second closest would be YouTube, but long form video. But the thing mm-hmm. is about Twitter is the fact that the information is digestible and much more digestible. Right. right? And, so, and even though you have the video, but why I say it's more digestible is because you could digest it however it applies to you right then and there in the form of a text and then the form of a video. Right. And just a little bit different, a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. And so what would they search on any of those um, social media platforms to find you? Yeah, so on Instagram, it's Vinny.Dominguez17. On Twitter, it's Vinicius Leon Petri. And that one I probably should send over to you. Like that one would be a little bit uh, a tough one to find on, on Twitter. Or if they, fo- they follow you, I also... Um, I also follow you so they can search up Vinny on there. Just type in Vinny and it should be able to pop up. And YouTube, I think I got to remember that one. But yeah, I would say those two platforms I'm predominantly in. Okay. Yeah. Well, guys, if you're listening to it and you need some marketing help with your business or you're looking to see what kind of value he's providing out there on Twitter or Instagram land, definitely check him out. He is a wealth of marketing knowledge and his partner, Thomas is a fantastic copywriter. Yes. I really love his, his style. Um, so Vinny, thanks so much for coming on today. And guys, if you're listening to this, especially on YouTube, please give it a like or subscribe. And if you are somebody that is thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, you're a entrepreneur, you're an aspiring entrepreneur, or you're a budding entrepreneur, maybe you got your side hustle and you're growing it. I commend you. I encourage you to keep going because I truly believe that the world needs more entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs solve problems in Lord knows we have enough problems out there for you to solve. So join me, join Vinny, make the transition from employee to entrepreneur, and we'll see you on the other side.